I want to invite everyone to open their Bibles to 1 Peter, continuing our series on emotions. We are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 today. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Opposites attract, you know. It's amazing to me that when Mallory and I first met, we bonded over everything that we had in common. So like movies and food and music and travel. It just turned out we were just a couple of nerds. And we could be nerds together for the rest of our lives. And that was awesome. We were down for that. But what's amazing is the fact that even though we had so much in common when we first met, as we've been married to each other and been with each other, we've turned out to be so different. Stuff that we never saw, yeah, in the very beginning. So different. So one way uh, that we're different is how we recharge. Um, it's kind of funny. I always feel silly saying this. People are like, okay, so what's your favorite hobby? And I'll list a couple of things. And then if Mallory's not with me, she'll say, well, what's Mallory's favorite hobby? And I always, I'll say, spending time with me. Like, and not to sound like conceited or anything, but like, I like, so I recharge. I can recharge in solitude, right? I can be by myself do my own thing. And Mallory's like, actually, like, I just want to be with you. I want to recharge by spending time with you. And so that creates sometimes some tension because sometimes I'm like, I'm content with being locked in my office and she just comes in like, what are you doing? You want to hang out? Let's let's have a good day. That kind of thing. Also, she gets real personal uh, too because that that always turns into, why don't you want to spend time with me? Like, I do, I do. But another way we're different is kind of a big one because it happens every day about how we think about each day. Uh, and this one is pretty obvious, I think, uh, if you've observed me over the past few years, that I'm not a planner, right? I just don't have the personality. Like, I'm a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. And that's good in many ways, but also gets me into trouble when things I should be planning kind of blow up my face. But Mallory... Uh, is a think-through-every-plan-and-scenario kind of person. And not just um, uh, planning and thinking through every scenario, but always concluding that the worst kind of scenario. Like, so if we do this, well, this, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be the worst kind of scenario. She always jumps to the worst kind of things. Like, like we're planning on going... Camping, what if we get bit by a snake and we're not going to be close enough to a hospital and we're not going to have service to call an ambulance or anything like that? We laugh, we laugh at that. Uh, and, uh, the, the difference is the fact that she, her anxiety comes out in thinking through every scenario. And even though I'm a laid back person, I just push anxiety down. I, I, so neither of these are examples of actually dealing with anxiety well. Mal's anxiety kind of, she lets it have free reign. My anxiety is like, I pretend it's not there when it really is. And it bubbles up. We're all wired to deal with anxiety differently. Right? We're all wired to deal with stresses and concerns and problems differently. But while we're wired differently, like while we might have similar personalities or different personalities, our hearts all require the same kind of medicine. Thankfully, our God is the great physician. He knows our hearts. He knows our cares. He knows our anxieties and our stresses. 
And the problem is not with what stresses us out. Those things are not the problem. The problems are not the things that cause anxiety. In fact, uh, what God wants us to recognize is that He has providentially put those in our lives. And those things that cause anxiety are not meant to cripple us, right? The things that He doesn't put them there to cripple us, but to conform us to Christ. And God, thankfully, has told us exactly how He wants us to do that. So let's read 1 Peter, starting in chapter 5, verse 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. First, what we do to deal with our anxieties, submit to God's will. Peter writes uh, in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. In context, if you read First Peter, he's just finished talking to the elders. He's addressing the elders of the church. But here he's, he's changing who he's addressing from the elders to the entire church. Okay, so he's stepping back. He was talking about the elders. Now he's talking about everybody. And it's his final word to conclude everything he's already written about, most importantly, suffering. If you read 1 Peter, 1 Peter's a lot about suffering and enduring suffering. And if there's anything that can cause anxiety, it's suffering. Right? I, I guarantee If I were to ask each of you what your biggest concerns were, my guess is that the majority have concerns that involve something like losing religious liberties uh, or cultural hostility or the breakdown of society. And I would say all of those are in the realm of suffering. So if there's anything that causes anxiety, it's suffering, right? But that's not the only thing that suffering implies. Suffering is persecution, but suffering... Uh, is, is that way is one way to suffer for, but there are others. Suffering happens with tragedy and loss. Suffering happens with disease, financial loss, and a number of other things. In fact, Peter has already talked about different kinds of suffering earlier in his letter. He, he's basically like, you are blessed if you suffer for Christ, just make sure your suffering is not because you're a jerk. So you can't cry, ah, suffering if People hate you because you've been a jerk to them. The the point that I'm trying to stress is that these things that cause anxiety or stress or worry are not accidents. Okay, These things that are in your life that cause anxieties and stresses aren't accidents. They are there by design. And the first part of living in that reality is to submit to God's will and that means humbling yourself. So, spoil alert, 
one of life's biggest causes of anxiety is what? Raising a kid. And right now, we're trying to teach Willa to pick up after herself. And she never does it the first time we ask her. Willa, please pick up after yourself. So, at this point, what we try to do is get up in her face and say, Willa, there's two ways we can go about doing this. We can do this the joyful, putting these toys away freely, or we can do this the way that involves tears. Uh, And thankfully, she's smart enough to kind of pick up on those cues, uh, and she picks up her stuff. In a similar way, there's usually two ways that humbling happens. The first way is not the pleasant way, and it's waiting on God to humble you. And when God humbles you, it's never pleasant. But the other way is to humble yourself. When Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he's telling us to recognize and submit to the way that God wants to work. Stop resisting. Stop fighting Stop fighting it. Stop whining about it. Stop sinning to get your way. Instead, humble yourselves by confessing not what I will, but what you will. Not my comforts. Not my pleasure. Not my future. Not my plans. Not what I want. Not my dreams. Not my vision for my life, but but your vision. Your plan. If, If that's health, God, I hope that's part of your plan, but if it's not, I submit to your will. If, if it's children, I hope so, God, that that's part of your plan, but if not, I submit to your will. If it's getting married, God, I hope that's part of your will, but I submit to you if it's not. If it's retirement, God, I hope I can retire, but Lord, if it's not your will, I submit. Submitting to God's will means recognizing that the detriment we most worry over might not just be part of His plan, but that it is good that it's part of His plan. Humbling yourself and submitting to God's will means saying you are good even in your judgments. It means saying with Job, shall we accept good from God and not evil? Not trouble. Submit to God's will. Surrender. Relinquish. Ties directly into our next point. Give to God's care. Give to God's care. So I don't know what it is. There's a phenomenon that happens. I think it happens globally, but it might be cultural. Could be like the age in which we live or biology or something, but everyone is familiar with this phenomenon, and it's the ph- phenomenon of what I'm calling the teenage bug. It's something that happens to almost every teenager, and they assume that they are right about everything, and their parents are wrong about everything. And while uh, parents might be able to get their teenage kids to submit, it's a whole other thing to get them to trust, right? To get them to see. What you are doing is actually good for them. I was this way. This is the second act of of humbling. 
We don't just want to be people who submit, but also a people who trust. Also a people who entrust. Peter writes, humble yourselves in verse 6 and then in verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, grammar lesson. This is the exciting part of the sermon. All right, that word there, casting, it's, it's in the form of what's called a preposition. Right? And a preposition doesn't stand on its own. It, it relies on another word or another sentence. And it's telling us how something is done. Right? So, so go there running. Right? Don't just go there. Go there by running. In this case, humble yourself. Humble yourselves how? By casting. Humble yourselves by casting. I remember reading this book in college, and it, it wasn't my favorite book. In fact, I didn't like it at all. It's called The Kite Runner. Uh, and it's about this boy who grows up in Afghanistan during the rise of the Taliban. And it's about that a lot, yes, but it's also kind of about like his own trauma and how he grows and learns to cope with it, that kind of thing. I mean, it's interesting. But anyway, I remember this certain part of the book, and he's talking to his dad, and his dad is like this cold guy, and uh, and they're Muslims, right? But his dad's this, this cold guy. And he, he's, his dad tells him at one point in the book, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he's like, do you think God cares about our small problems? Like, he's got enough on his plate where he doesn't care about our small problems. That might be one of the hardest things to believe about Christianity. Not just for Muslims or for atheists, but for Christians too. We know God is running the world. Right? And that's a lot. We feel like we don't want to trouble him with our small, menial things. But one of the most beautiful truths about Christianity is that God is both infinite and personal. Both the God who created and sustains the stars and knows them by their name, and he chose what color your eyes were going to be. He's both the God that is sovereign over events of the nations, and he knows the numbers of your hair even for you who wish you had more. And so this same God who sustains planets and galaxies is the same God who invites us to cast onto Him all of our burdens, all of our anxieties, all of our cares, and all of our stresses. God, this God, this great, big, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God wants to shoulder your burdens. Psalm 68, 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. God cares enough to stoop down and bear your small burdens. Your burdens of, in marriage, burdens of children, schoolwork. Hey guys, God cares about your schoolwork. And your burdens of schoolwork, your friends, your work, co-workers, your business, your mortgage, your cows, your grocery list. God cares about your burdens. Charles Spurgeon said, infinite power shall stoop that you may lean upon its shoulder. This is what Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Why? Because He cares for you. 
And, and look, look. Casting all your anxieties on me. It's the difference between when I was 16 and when I was 26. At 16, I may have submitted, but I didn't always trust that my parents cared for me. And at 26, my views changed, and I realized how much they had done to care for me. So give to God your burdens because He cares for you. Thirdly, progress with God's people. One of the effects of anxiety is that it can cripple us. right? Stress and anxieties can become so much that they leave us paralyzed. But it's dangerous to stay paralyzed. Look at verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The reason this is necessary is because we have an enemy and he's after your soul. And and the danger is, right, when... Anxiety cripples us. When it becomes too much, we rely on other things. So we end up relying on pleasure or comforts or even sin. And so when the devil pounces on us, right, it's not what we think. He pounces on us by luring us away. Little by little. And that's why Peter tells us to stay sober-minded Be active. Stay active. This week, some of you know this, we had to say goodbye to our dog, Penn. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Uh, And this week has been really hard for me. And I've had this grief. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. It, You don't want to do anything. You just want to either stay in bed all day or sit on your couch and and just do nothing. But what helped me get through the day was folding clothes. What helped me get through the day was cleaning up the house, staying busy. That's, that's one thing that people will say in counseling folks for depression is just stay active, just keep moving forward. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here. Don't let anxiety cripple your faith. Progress in your faith. Stay active. Stay alert. In verse 9, resist Him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The only way that progressing in faith is possible is with a deep connection with the body of Christ. And oftentimes, it's not just that the body of Christ is necessary, oftentimes it's the body of Christ that exactly gets us through our anxieties, through being crippled, through prayer, praying for one another. God gives us the body of Christ to bear one another's burdens. God gives us the body of Christ to comfort one another. God gives us the body of Christ to empathize with one another. Have you all watched a documentary about animals or like our planet. I love watching those things, man. They're so cool. And, and I, you know, you, it's like you can watch the same 
Planet Earth documentary over and over again. It's still so awesome each time you watch it. Anyway, one of my favorite uh, things to watch is like how a herd of zebra or buffalo operates, right? It's always the straggler that the lion goes after. He doesn't go into the herd because the herd is a dangerous place to be. The lion always goes after the lone little zebra over here, the lone little buffalo. But as long as the weak one makes it into the herd, he's safe. This is how the body of Christ operates. We need the body. We need God's people. And when anxiety threatens us and it makes us a straggler, we find safety among the church. I think sometimes we can be stressed about the body. I think the body might be one of the things that causes anxiety sometimes. But the body is a gift that God has given to help us. So what do you do with anxiety and stress? Progress, right? Progress in your faith. Stay active in your faith. Continue to obey. Work along with God's people. Finally, rejoice in God's work. Peter says in verse 10, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, I don't want us to get us the wrong idea here. Is that we, if we pray and we cast our uh, anxieties on God and, and we submit to His will and we try to obey and we, we try to obey along with God's people that all the anxieties and stresses that we were worried about in the first place just go away. But this is not prosperity gospel. Sometimes those anxieties and stresses stay. Peter says, after you have suffered a little while, they still have to suffer some. Sometimes with suffering, anxiety, stresses, we just have to sit in it. It's really hard to do. Right when, when anxieties and stresses come, we want nothing more than for them to go away. But maybe by design, God wants them to remain to train us. So right now, I'm going to use Willa again because she's easy. She's a little bundle of illustrations. Uh, changing her diaper right now is one of the hardest things to do. She resists with every fiber of her being. She screams as loud as her lungs will let her. And, it's, and I'm just like, if you just sit still, this will go a lot better. We don't want to have to sit through suffering anxiety. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. But what we have to realize is those things are part of the equation. They're not in the way of God doing His work. They're not obstacles to your well-being. They're part of it. Willa, we have to change your diaper. This is part of the equation. Church, these anxieties, this suffering, is part of what God wants for you. And it's because God is not about solving your problems, but about teaching you dependence. Often we see suffering and anxiety as, as just problems that need to be solved, but in reality, God wants to do a deeper work because of them. 
my friend Andy Atkinson, is, he's a pastor in Kansas City. And uh, if there's ever a pastor that you should listen to and stop listening to me, it's him. Uh, I love him. But he once said that growing mature as a Christian is not the process of becoming increasingly independent and self-sufficient. It is becoming increasingly dependent upon the Spirit. It is becoming increasingly aware of your weakness and your need for Christ. So growth as a Christian is a lot like Benjamin Button. The most spiritual Christian is the most depending Christian. And that's why it's so important to recognize God and His work and the purpose of His work. Because this sermon is not seven steps to get rid of your anxiety. This sermon is not even me telling you don't be anxious. We're here at God's Word to replace anxiety with something else. Joy. I can't tell you that sitting through suffering and anxiety is a good thing unless there's a joy in the God behind them. We rejoice in God's work, right? So Peter, Peter gives us two aspects of God's work. In first part of verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ. We rejoice in the work that God has already done. God has already done the work for us. There's nothing more for us to do. We are already called in Christ, already covered in grace. So we rejoice in His already finished work and we rejoice in the work that He will yet accomplish. Restoration. Confirmation. Strengthening and establishing. And so Peter ends... To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The reason that we can cast our burdens on God, the reason that we can cast our small burdens on God is because God cared enough to stoop down and care our ultimate burden of sin. No amount of suffering and no level of anxiety will ever match the awesome weight of our sin being put on the shoulders of the Son of God. And He did that without you or me ever asking for it. In Christ, you are now free from sin. And until that reality, until the reality of being free from your sin because of Christ becomes the sweetest reality, we will never be able to see our anxieties and sufferings as sweet as well. Getting the Gospel, getting our sin on the Son of God on the cross is the foundation for transforming the way we see our anxieties. And without Christ, you are still in sin. And your anxieties and your sufferings are a foretaste of your future suffering. Just a foretaste. And God gives you the solution to turn to Christ now. But for those of us in Christ, if we're trusting Christ today, repenting of sin and trusting in Christ, our prayer should be that our anxieties lead to a foretaste, not of future suffering, but future glory. 
So whether you lose a cow, car breaks down, kids are causing you stress, work, society. Let our prayer for our anxieties and our stressors be that God, I cast these burdens on you and my prayer is that you would help me to taste the sweetness of your glory in them and the glory that will come. And he is good and he is faithful and he will do it. Let's pray. God, you are a burden-shouldering God. You care when our farm animals are missing. You care when our medicine isn't working. You care when our children aren't obeying. You care when work is not going well. You care when we take a financial hit so you care when our car breaks down you care God for all of our burdens you're with us shouldering them and Lord so often we carry them alone when we can have infinite power if we just cast them on you forgive us for our sin and our sinfulness for when we're angry and we lash out and sin rather than trust And God, help us to be a people who are willing to sit in the things that cause anxiety, trusting you and rejoicing in your work. And God, let let these things that we might dread or, or the things that cause us stress, Lord, instead of tastes of suffering, God, through them, give us tastes of your glory. Transform them in such a way that that is possible and it's only possible with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.